Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your coach, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you. Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show. Excited to share some thoughts with you today. Recently, I just took some time out to do what I've done for many years, which is I take time out. I typically go somewhere really neat and I go and hike. I eat good, exercise, and then just absolutely turn off TV, phones, and just immerse myself in great content. And when I do that, I typically seven, eight days is what I do. This year, because I haven't had a chance to do it during COVID and other things, I went for a little more than two weeks. And I went down to Florida, which worked out great. It was nice and warm. And because there were so many bloody thunderstorms every day, I was just north of Miami, that curtailed any of the little golfing excursions I had planned. I got to play once or twice. And then uh, there was just a lot of lightning storms and thunderstorms. And what it made for was a great time work out, eat right, clear the head, and then really, really just kind of immerse myself completely in content. The way I do that is I immerse myself in content I'm working on myself. I immerse myself in stuff I'm curious about, books I've been wanting to read and things like that. And then I'll go back to some classics, some things that have really influenced me. And I've always let many people know about all the different influences in my life. And I go back to those works because, first of all, they're usually principle-based and principles don't go out of style. Secondly, you know, as circumstances change, it always amazes me that those principles and how they relate to the circumstance of today. And then the third part is I go back to them because it really reveals where I'm at and it shows me my own development, times that things were like, oh my gosh, I remember the first time I heard that to, boy, I've really been implementing that for a long time or what happens a lot, boy, I was really implementing that. And then I kind of fell off the horse and I stopped doing that. So it's a great thing. So I do content I'm working on, content, so get my own thoughts together if you're not in the content business. So get my own thoughts together, fresh new ideas, old principles. And when you put that all together, it turns into a fest of writing. I came home with just notebooks and notebooks and notebooks full of notes and written things out and so on and so forth. And one of the things I came back with was a few podcast episodes I wanted to share, including this one. And so today's episode is entitled, You Can Never Win an Argument. Now, what inspired this was going back into Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Now, that's a book that I've read many, many times. So what happens is many times I was listening to it while I was working out and so on and so forth, and then I would just stop and go back to my room and then write out notes and so on and so forth. And again, much of it been there, done that, lived it, enjoyed it, good reminders, those kinds of things. But when I got to this part of the content, it stopped me cold. And it stopped me cold because of where we are in our culture today and also where I'm at. In today's culture, we have become ridiculously argumentative over everything to the point that culturally, you can basically define somebody's politics almost over any issue, health, economics, well-being, school, 
The most basic things now reveal a person's ideology. And one of the reasons for it, obviously, is as we have become this world that is search-driven, that the search engines are prone to give us more of what we want. So if you've been rotisserizing on one type of content, one type of news outlet, one type of information, over and over and over again, and then you bump into somebody who's been rotisserizing on different content from a different source, when you have a conversation now, it's not just a discussion. It's almost like, how in the world can you think like that? And the arguments have become so much more than even they were in the past. Now, this is difficult for me culturally and as a person. As a person, I grew up in a family that loved to argue. As a culture, if there wasn't arguments in Ireland, you wouldn't have pubs. In fact, it's the chief entertainment. You know, they have TVs on playing sports. Whatever. I always amaze Americans go to a sports bar to watch sports. Like, unless there's a big match and Ireland's playing, that stuff's playing in the background. There's music, there's this, there's that. But at the end of the day, there's what we call the crack and the kill. Kill is the music and the crack is the good times and the conversations. And for Irish people, good times are just some unbelievable arguments. And we have great fun with it all together. But even today in my beloved homeland, having had some discussions with some folks lately, it's like, oh my gosh, that's not crack in the Gaelic term, C-R-A-I-C. It's crack as in C-R-A-C-K, where you want to crack somebody over the head. So culturally, personally, argument that used to be debate is now such a different thing. And here was Dale Carnegie with information that's 100 years old. And I was listening to this going, my goodness, this is more necessary today than ever before. So an argument by definition, it's an exchange of diverging or opposite views. And typically today, those views are heated. It's a set of reasons given with the aim of persuading others that an action or idea is right or wrong. So it's this action or this idea is right or wrong. And so in today's world, we're so subjective, even in our understanding of what's right or wrong. Our shared values have been so challenged. It's hard to even agree on what is right or what's wrong anymore. So today's content is called You Can Never Win an Argument. And I have three points for you like I always do. First of all, avoid it like earthquakes and rattlesnakes. That's a direct quote from Carnegie himself. And by the way, living in California, we have both of those. So definitely things you want to avoid. But in California, you do know where the rattlesnakes are. So you know where to avoid them. And you can get earthquake insurance. And uh, I'm going to talk about both of those things today. Next, uh, we'll talk about what do you do when it's unavoidable. And then the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to influence, not argue. And I got a few neat things to share with you there. Again, thank you, Mr. Carnegie, for sparking some thoughts. I hope you guys enjoy this. And uh, maybe we can have a good argument about it sometime. Huh? So the only way to get the best of an argument is to avoid it, right? So Carnegie himself said, you can't win an argument. You can't because if you lose it, you lose it. And if you win it, you still lose it. And that's the truth of the matter. Mark Twain said, never argue with a fool. Onlookers may not be able to tell the difference. Ooh. That reminds me of, you know, don't wrestle with pigs. The pig likes it and you both get muddy, right? Another Carnegie, you can't win an argument. Always avoid the acute angle. So it gets in to the acute angle. And again, Irish people are passionate, fired up, so on and so forth. And if you're a person of principle and value and you go, hang on a second here, I want to I want to argue for my principles. I want to argue for my rights. Unfortunately, we just want to argue all the time today. 
And what happens is the second point is we win the battle and lose the war. So let's say you actually win an argument. You will never have the goodwill of the person who loses it. Now, let me be very candid with you here. I have the Brian Buffini show. I've been speaking in public for 25 years. People pay lots of money, get on airplanes and get in hotel rooms to go hear me talk. So I'm very good at words. I'm able to make my point. So I'm married for 31 years to my lovely bride, Beverly. And Beverly is far more quiet. She's far more thorough in her thought process. She takes a lot of time. And she's not a person who would like to say she's quick on her feet. She needs to think things through and process. So how do you think arguments have gone over with me and her over the past 31 years? Well, let's just say, you know, they used to say, in our house, don't bring a knife to a shotgun fight. Well, if you get me riled up by George, I can win that argument with my wife anytime I want. Anytime I want. And I had to learn, and it took me years and years and years to learn this, that, Brian, you just won the battle, but you just lost the war. Okay? You just won the argument, but your wife didn't feel heard. You just made the point, but you didn't get aligned, and you're not one in your thinking. Or even worse, you made your wife feel less, or you hurt her feelings. Congratulations, Brian, you won the argument. And let me tell you, that is the trophy you don't want. And so I had to actually learn first in my own home, later in my own family, and now throughout my life, and I'm still learning this every single day, that just winning the argument in and of itself, it doesn't solve much of anything at all. You can win the argument, but at what cost? And I'm going to say this, most of the arguments I've been in my life, as articulate as I am, I've never won. Never walked away going, yep, I changed that person's opinion. No, maybe I made my points better than that person. I didn't change their opinion. E.F. Wood, who was the first Earl of Halifax, said, the more arguments you win, the fewer friends you have. You can just hear the Earl of Halifax saying that, couldn't you? Quite dearly. more arguments you win, the fewer friends you have. Now I know all about having no friends. Carnegie said, when one person yells, the other person should listen. Because when two people yell, there's no communication. How about any night on TV? How about watching that stuff? Ben Franklin says, those disputing, contradicting, and confusing people are generally unfortunate in their affairs. They get victory sometimes, but they never get goodwill, which would be of more use to them. Goodwill. You know, peace on earth, goodwill to all men. Isn't that the song? And that's the Christmas carol? Nah. And again, Carnegie said, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. So what you did, you got riled up, you got fired up, You rotisserize your own opinion more and more and more, and you come away, the other person's position isn't changed. And neither one of you is happier or better, so we have to talk. The third thing I want to talk about is you cannot teach a person anything, only help them find it in themselves. That's our third point. That's a quote from Galileo. And we know that for thousands of years, argument was a dynamic of how they moved the needle. And again, You say, let's for the sake of argument. How you make your argument to the court or you argue for a piece of legislation, right? But Socrates said, I cannot teach anybody anything. I can only make them think, which is one of the reasons why to this day, one of the most effective methods of teaching is called the Socratic method. Ask people questions to help them come to conclusions. I'm so excited. My daughter's in Hillsdale College in Michigan. 
And she's going up there. Yep, she's going to go play volleyball and do her thing. But the reason I'm excited about that college, when I haven't been excited about most colleges, to be honest with you, is that at Hillsdale College, they do not teach people what to think. They teach these young folks how to think. And that's what I'm excited. There's people of different religious persuasions and different ideological persuasions. And they use the Socratic method in smaller classrooms to ask people questions. So that's why I'm so fired up my daughter's there. So what did we learn right off the bat? You can't win an argument. Avoid it like earthquakes and rattlesnakes. Maybe that's why my daughter went to Michigan after all, so she can avoid the earthquakes and rattlesnakes and she's going to get to experience snow in the wintertime for the first time. So God bless her. Second major point, what to do if an argument is unavoidable? Well, here's some points for you. First and foremost, the first technique here for you is to never contradict. And a great little phrase, I think it's great, we used to do this with our kids. We used to talk to them about the yabbit. The yabbit. And, you know, like uh, you have the rabbit. Well, we had the yabbit. And the yabbit is, okay, hey, kids, why didn't you do your homework? Yeah, but, uh, you know, we we had a game to play. And why aren't you doing the Yeah, but we had to do this. So, yeah, but, yeah, but. Yeah, but is the contradiction. In today's conversations, and it's just, it's just more intense because of social media. It's just more intense because the polarization of where we're getting our information. You know, we used to, 30, 40 years ago, we'd read the newspaper, and you got a couple of different perspectives in the newspaper. Well, you don't get that anymore. Let's be candid, right? If you tune into one particular news channel, you get only that perspective. You tune into a different news channel, you only get that perspective. That's why they call them news channels anymore. They're opinion channels. But we used to read the newspaper and you'd get both sides or, or three sides of the story. So what's happened is we're getting this information all the time. And when we're in discussions with people, we're not even listening. We're waiting to make our point And we lead with contradiction. And if you're in an argument, and arguments happen and they are unavoidable from time to time. So you cannot lead with yeah, but. Yeah, but. Yeah, but. Yeah, but. No, we got to go in a different direction. Albert Einstein says, the truth of a theory can never be proven, for one never knows if future experience will contradict its conclusions. Like, we have conversations right now, uh, and again, ideology, whatever else, about science, medical science, climate science, all these different things, and they're huge arguments. And science, by very definition, is something that is searching for answers. Not The science is settled. The person who says that, now that's moronic. The science is settled. No. What that means is my argument is settled, and I don't want to change it. And here's Albert Einstein. The truth of a theory can never be proven for one never knows if future experiences will contradict its conclusions. You know, it's a good thing for us to think about once in a while to maybe not be so certain about our certainties. That might be a good thing to think about. Have you ever had something that you were really certain on and you found out later on, hmm, I've sometimes watched these documentaries, like I love uh, ESPN has done a lot of these shows called 30 for 30. And sometimes they've done it on a sports team. And I remember just vehemently cheering against this team. And then I watched this documentary and I go, I might have been cheering for the wrong team. <laughs> like, hey, there, there was people I really identify with and like, I'm really, oh my gosh, and their struggle and I didn't know their story and this and that and the other, as opposed to, oh, I didn't like their coach and therefore their team's a jerk and I'm cheering against the jerks. And the next thing you know, you find out more of the story. You know, oops, I was vehemently cheering for the wrong team. That happens with arguments, doesn't it? Opinions can change. Information can develop. Things can move. 
And so we don't want to be on the wrong side of it, okay? Again, Einstein said, the only thing more dangerous than ignorance is arrogance. So we got to have that humility coming to the table. What if I'm wrong? And I've had this conversation with somebody where someone said, this is it, and this is it, and this is it. And again, in my family of origin, we always have communicated with one another in absolutes. And I'll sometimes say, well, are you 100% certain? Like 100% certain that that's true. Like there's not the slightest possibility that that could be an error. The truth of the matter is people are not 100% certain of many things in their life, especially many of the things they argue about, which is why we want to be careful about giving that kind of energy to it. Great poet George Herbert from the 1600s said, Be calm in arguing, for fierceness makes error a fault and truth discourtesy. What a beautiful thing. Apparently there were arguments to have back in the 1600s. The next key tip in regards to what to do when it's unavoidable is don't get defensive, right? So we don't want to contradict. And the next thing is we don't want to get defensive. Harvard Business Review did an article on this and they said when we get defensive, we make it that much harder for our conversational counterparts to hear what we're saying. We also make it harder to really listen to what they have to say. So when we get defensive, what's leading is the emotion. By the way, and many psychologists will talk about the emotion that's leading is our less mature, younger self. The same kind of defense mechanisms we had as a child to protect ourselves is what leads. So when we have defensiveness leading, not only are we being argumentative, but now we're being childish. So it's very, very important. Just discipline you with all your strength. Just discipline yourself, not to be defensive. Okay. And and I will share with you a few things you can say here along the way. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, let me never fall into the vulgar mistake of dreaming that I am persecuted when I am contradicted. Wow, (laughs) so good. And again, Carnegie said, and I want you to know when you hear this quote, it's going to make you gulp. And I want you to know it made me more than gulp. This next quote changed me when I read this again this time. This was worth my two weeks in Florida. And I read in the book, you can measure the size of a person by what makes him angry. It's still painful to say. And when I sat down and I digested that, in certain areas of my life, I'd become a small man because I was starting to become angry at some very small things. That's the beauty of getting really, really immersed in phenomenal content, personal growth development, being on the journey to self-discovery, being on the journey to really implement, to change your life, to have the courage to pursue excellence in your life and in your work and in your relationships with your finances. It takes courage to do that. And that's why I love this audience. I love the journey that you guys are on with me. And that's why I feel like in this intimate communication vehicle through the podcast, because I only talk to people in podcasts one-on-one. And so I get a chance to share with you my story that you can measure the size of a person by what makes them angry. Obviously, the questions are, what makes me angry? There are things that should make us angry. I have a daughter who is just very, very passionate about things that are very, very important to her. The sex trafficking trade is something that just wounds her heart. And she serves and helps and has has done remarkable work. And in her pursuit to be an Olympian, one of her passions is to really bring that message just to the forefront in the world to make people aware of what's going on and the size and the scope and the scale. And I'll be candid with you, that thing, not particularly comfortable dinnertime conversation to have at your house, but she's opened my eyes to it. I just had no idea. And so that's the stuff that makes you angry. Well, there's nothing small about that. There's nothing small about that. 
But the guy that cuts you off on the freeway or the misspelling on the paper or the time it takes to check out at the grocery store or whatever little foibles that we all have, I would say it's hard to be a big person when you get angry at small things. It's hard to be a big person. I want to be a big person. I want to live a big life. I believe we're all built for great things. And so we can't get angry at the small. Anyhow, it's beautiful that I get to work on building content for you guys and I get my own world shook up at the same time, which if you're really a good teacher, that should really happen. It's hard to light a candle to someone else's path without lighting up your own. My good friend Henry Cloud, who wrote The Best Selling Boundary, said, instead of getting defensive, just say, thanks for letting me know your thoughts. I'll consider them. What a great technique. What a great tip. Genuine. You know, honestly, be sincere. Don't get defensive. Thanks for letting me know your thoughts. I'll consider them. And it gives you a chance to think. Reduce the emotion. Your little child gets to go away. And your adult gets to reason with them. Last thing on this, uh, what if it's unavoidable, is we all have something to learn. You know? And so a magic phrase that Carnegie talked about 100 years ago was, I may be wrong. You know, I may be wrong. You know, this is what I'm thinking, but I may be wrong. I'm open to learn. Steve Jobs said, learn continually. There's always one more thing to learn. Bill Nye, the science guy, said, everyone you will ever meet knows something you don't. Fact. And then Bruce Lee said, mistakes are always forgivable if one has the courage to admit them. So, we talked about you can never win an argument. We got to avoid those suckers like rattlesnakes. <laughs> you know, we don't want to win the battle, lose the war, and you can't teach a person anything, only help them to find it in themselves. Then we talked about there's times it's unavoidable. And we talked a little dynamic of technique, tips, never contradict, don't get defensive. We all have something to learn. And uh, that fabulous quote from Carnegie, you measure the size of a person by what makes them angry. And then lastly here is something to challenge us to, right? It's mindset, motivation, methodologies we cover here at the Brian Buffini Show. The last point I would say is that influence, don't argue. Influence is a far higher calling than argument. Argument in and of itself is just hot air. But influence is something that is lasting, generational in many cases. So let's talk about that. First great point on this is you get to have influence when who you are speaks louder than your words. Who you are speaks louder than your words. Okay, no matter of anybody's ideological or philosophical or spiritual affiliation, I think it'd be a fair case to say that the most influential human being who ever lived was Jesus. Even amongst other religions, he'd be the most influential person who ever lived. Yet the actual quoted words of Jesus are very small. You know, I have a Bible and it's kind of an older Bible and it's it's got the words of Jesus in red. Like when he actually spoke and they, they wrote down the things he said, it's very few. You know, there was times he'd have a, a message or two or a sermon or two. There were parables and stories he taught. But I'll say this, when I look at the volume of stuff I spit out on a podcast and then I read the actual words of Jesus, the words of Jesus are very small. So how is this guy the most influential person in the history of mankind who didn't say a ton of stuff? He got to have enormous influence because who he was. Who he was spoke louder than his words. So that's a big deal. And I, you know, on the parenting, people come to us for parenting advice. And we always say the same thing. Kids don't listen to what you say. They're watching what you do. They're watching how you live. Yeah, kids, you need to read books and turn off those video games. Okay, and you're watching soap operas and doing whatever. You know, or reality TV or whatever it is. 
Kids watch what you do. They learn by watching. And so in any aspect, as a leader, if you're leading a company or an organization or business, whatever, you can only lead by example. You can only lead by example. Everything else is some form of hypocrisy. Del Carnegie said, influence is more powerful than argument. Keith Ferrazzi said, you don't have to control more. You have to influence more. And Albert Einstein, he's come up a few times today. Setting an example is not the main means of influencing others. It is the only means. No question about it. Next thing I want to talk about is that brevity leads to clarity. Brevity leads to clarity. What you want to do in discussions and arguments and things like that is you want to be brief. And again, I'm good with words. Sometimes I have too many words. And brevity is what leads to clarity. Again, all these principles have been around a long time. Cicero said, brevity is the best recommendation of speech, whether in a senator or an orator. No matter what, if you're going to say things, you listen, you take on other people's opinion. I hadn't thought of that. I'll consider that. And when you get your turn to share, share your thoughts and be brief. Let people chew on that, not the volume of your words, but the depth of your words. And you'll have influence from the depth of your words because of who you are. And so the all gets back to us. If you want to influence people, work on being the best version of yourself that you can. That's where it comes from. And then lastly, mutual respect is the winning of argument. And that is really where it's at. You know, Miles McPherson is out right now communicating a principle and trying to help people get to a place of racial unity. And he's doing it by helping people go through what he calls similarity training. And the similarity is ultimately getting people to understand what they have in common, understand what their blind spots are towards a person of a different race, and then ultimately celebrating the differences in a form of mutual respect. And I believe it's true. I believe you can find racial harmony that way, marital harmony that way. And at the end of the day, what we have to get back to is a sense of respect for other people. When people disrespect other people's points of views to such a degree that they then classify those people a certain way, they're all a bunch of morons, they're this, they're that, they don't deserve this stuff. And then we hear, oh, these people, they should have those freedoms removed and they don't do this and they don't do that. And we're talking about this with vaccinations and masks and politics and all this stuff. You name it, on any subject you want, if you demonize the other person and lose respect for that person, it allows you to come to the lowest common denominator of who and what that person is or what they should deserve or don't deserve. So we have to be very, very careful about the slippery slope we walk down on. The fact is we can't win arguments. And we know that. We all know that. We know that in our heart of hearts, but we still try, don't we? Ultimately, the goal is to influence and not argue. And the end result of it all is mutual respect. It's okay to agree to disagree. It's what makes the world go around. If everybody thought like me, the world would only tilt one way. Oh my gosh, would I hate a world that only thought like me? Boy, I would just miss out on so much, different perspectives, different views, so many different gifts that people bring to the table that I don't have. That's what really makes the world go around. It's what makes life rich. It's one of the reasons I love America. There's so many different cultures here, and foods here, and people here, and art, music, you name it. It's fantastic stuff. So I had a chance to share with you today just something. Uh, this is one little piece of something I got on my recent little journey away. I hope this has helped you. Maybe, maybe the thing you learned today was to take a little journey away yourself and listen to some old stuff and some new stuff and to clarify your own thoughts. 
whatever it takes. What I want to share with you is that we're here working at this show, along with a great team I have, to try to impact and improve your life. And uh, we hope this little podcast can do that for you. And we hope that if you like it, you'll share it with your friends. And you come back and listen to us again. And we got something more for you. So thanks for joining me today. I hope it's helpful. Practice with yourself. Practice with your loved ones. Practice with your family. And then practice with your culture, your company, your customers. We all get to win together. So I'm going to hand it over to me, Mom. And I got to say, if anybody could win an argument, it would be her. She used to say about herself, if my tongue was tied in the middle, it would wag at both ends. She's gifted, let me tell you. As we always do, we'll send you off with a little Irish blessing from a little Irish woman who taught me an awful lot. So until next time, God bless. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time. 